0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com We're discussing Nefesh I just want to go back a little bit and uh, just recap what we learned so far. And we were discussing uh, how the soul is uh, amazing. The soul comes from the higher worlds. And uh, the body is of the lowest worlds. Amazing. The soul, you can't imagine, it's two opposites, complete opposites. The soul is from the highest worlds. And the body is from the lowest of the low. Mm-hmm. It's so low, it's like it's dust. It's like physical. So the soul is totally spiritual and nothing lower than the physical world. We're in the lowest of the low. This is the lowest of the world. Well, nearly the lowest. Let's not get carried away. This is one of the lowest worlds. So we are made from the dust, lowest part of creation. And our souls come from so high. That we're the breath of God's li- life. Yeah, Hashem breathed it from. A, so, in other words, when, you, when something breathes out, you're breathing from within. Hashem breathed our souls from within himself. So, we're going to see, we're going to talk about the glass blower, the famous analogy of the glass blower. So, our bodies are so low and our souls are so high. So, you would think, you know what, the soul is going to lower the, the the body is going to lower the soul. And the truth is, it does work like that sometimes. A person gets carried away, becomes very physical, and the soul starts becoming very physical. And a person like that, death is very hard. Death is. I can't drive my car. I can't live in my house. I can't eat my good food. What well, I want to, you know, but we get used to this. The soul gets used to a physical existence, and the soul loses its source. Lose, forgets its its source. Obviously, lower parts of the soul, the higher parts of the soul, sometimes they just disappear. So, the person left with the lower parts of the soul gets used to a nefesh gives us life, and it gets used to the physical existence of life. And it's very hard to get used to that, after that, to go into the spiritual world. And vice versa, sometimes the soul is so spiritual it elevates the body to being very spiritual. See, Some people become very spiritual, and some people become very physical. So sometimes the body is putting the soul down, and sometimes the soul is putting the body up. Right. So, we find this in the four rabbis who went into the Pardis. Right? Four rabbis went into the Pardis, and Elisha ben Abuya got pulled down by, his soul got pulled down by his body. And Ben-Azai got pulled up, his body got pulled up, he died. And Ben-Zamad was confused. And Rabbi Q is the one who stayed in equilibrium. It's very hard to stay in equilibrium. You've got to know, when does the soul take over, when does the body take over? It's time to eat, you got to eat. It's time to sleep, it's time to sleep. Like the Ramam says, that's the golden mean. you know, you got to look after your body and look after your soul. It's a very hard system so some people are very easy I want, to take, I want to worry about my soul I'll get up midnight, I'll, get, I'll learn all night and I won't be able to operate during the day and the other guy says no, well I need my sleep so I'm going to sleep extra and I'm not going to learn Torah at all so it's very hard to get that balance body, soul, physicality, spirituality it's very very hard to get that balance so that's our job our job is to get that balance now we're not only the soul is the soul of a human being we have to realize our souls have effects affect the higher world's our souls affect the higher worlds. And man is the soul of the universe. Right? Hashem gave us his own soul in a sense. We have the, we have the, soul, of, we have the soul of Hashem. Nishmat <inaudible> Chayim. Hashem breathes into the breath of life. Hashem. It's a, it's a breath of, of life from of Hashem. And therefore, we have the op- opportunity of controlling or building or furnishing the higher worlds. And that's what we talked about. We talked about how we have an effect. And our deeds can affect the higher worlds. Our deeds through our souls can affect the higher worlds. And uh, so that's a very important idea, the idea that we can affect either in a good way or we can affect the worlds in a bad way. So, he says, David says Yad God is your shadow in your right hand. And just like one's shadow mimics every motion one makes, so Hashem guides the higher worlds according to one's actions. Our actions guide the higher worlds. (laughs) Hashem means not just that God is your shadow, it means that God is guiding the world according to what we do. So everything you do, your shadow follows you. Everything we do in this world, the other world's following us. It's very hard to think about this. It's like if you think about a child with an umbilical cord. And the umbilical cord is following the guy around. So whatever he does, the umbilical cord is following him. Now think of the spiritual umbilical cord. We are linked to higher worlds through the spiritual umbilical cord. Whatever we do down here, the spiritual umbilical cord is dancing. You're dancing, the the cord is dancing with you. So the Zohar says, A person who is sad and depressed, Hashem judges them with strictness. A person smiles, the world's above a smiley head. He's being judged with kindness, so very totally different so what we do has an effect on the worlds above uh, what, what, what effect we have on the worlds above has an effect on us again, it's a system it's a cycle, you affect the worlds above in a good way, the worlds above say okay, we'll give him good things you affect the worlds above in a bad way, they say the worlds above give us bad things as well, so it's a vicious cycle the person's going to try and break the cycle how do you break the cycle? the going to change how they behave you change how you behave, you change the cycle very simple, change the cycle uh, last week we talked about how to balance physical physical work and and faith, and in chapter nine he talks about how faith can bring about miracles. The the idea that a person believes this will happen, this can happen, can bring it about. It's very important how we think. A person has positive thoughts can make positive things happen. A person has negative thoughts can make negative ha- things happen. So it's very important to be around people with positive thoughts. Now, a person has positive thoughts. So, we, we talked about the generation of the desert, that they ate bread from heaven, Hashem gave them bread from heaven, the manna, and their clothes did not wear out, their shoes did not wear out, they don't have to do any work, and they had tremendous trust in God. Every day they're, they're being trained. There's no food for tomorrow. Imagine, you go to the fridge, open the fridge, empty. What are you going to do? So you can imagine, the fight's at home. There's no food. What are you going to eat? What are you going to eat? Don't worry. Hashem will provide the man tomorrow. And the next day, same thing. You open the fridge, nothing in the fridge. What's going to happen? Don't worry, Hashem will provide the man. This is training. It's all training to have emunah. It's training to have faith in God. Uh, so these people have the tremendous faith in God. Imagine crossing the sea, jumping into the sea. Uh, tremendous faith. But the faith can make the miracle. That's what it's saying. It's not just the miracle that starts first. It's the faith. That starts the miracle and that's when we say Hashem, when they cried out to Hashem, Hashem, they, the Egyptians are coming, what Hashem say? Don't cry. It's not a time to cry. It's a time to show emunah, a time to show faith. And uh, so that's a very important idea that we can make our destinies based on our faith. A person who believes they'll get married will get married. A person who believes that they'll have children will have children. A person who believes they can make their job work will make the job work. Based on the faith. So we, with our faith, we can make things happen with our faith. We can make things happen through our minds. A person have positive attitude in life. It's very, very important to have a positive attitude in life. And a person who believes in God has to have a positive life. Why? Because a person doesn't have a positive attitude in life means God cannot help me. Ha'st says, you know, there's rather shame, I can do it. There's rather shame, we will do it. So it's very important. So the question that we had is, is a man, is human beings higher than angels? Are human beings higher than angels or not? And uh, there's uh, different opinions over here. But Rav Nefesh says we are, in one aspect, higher than angels. So obviously angels are in a higher dimension. They're in a higher dimension. They're spiritual, totally spiritual. They don't have this physical aspect of eating and drinking and other things. Totally spiritual. So in one sense, they are higher than us. On the other sense, we can affect the worlds above and they cannot. It's interesting. We can affect the worlds above, but they cannot affect the worlds above. In fact, and uh, this is a proof he brings from Yishayahu. Yishayahu. He says the angels are standing over there. Angels cannot climb, whereas man, it says, is walking among the angels. Whereas the angels are stationary, and man can walk. Man can, can climb, the angels cannot climb. It's amazing, amazing. Plus, we can affect the worlds above. We can affect the worlds above. The angels can only affect their own world. And we know, that we say in the kedusha, right? We say, uh, what do we say in the kedusha? Uh, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. angels say Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. But they wait for us to give them permission. They're waiting, says, for permission. Who's going to give them permission to say Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh? says when the Jews are saying Kadosh, 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 the angels can say Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. If we don't say Kadosh, Kadosh in the worlds down below, they can't say Kadosh, Kadosh in the worlds above. Amazing, amazing, amazing idea. So we can affect the worlds above more than the angels. If all the Jews throughout the world were to cease saying the kedusha, the angels too would stop their kedusha. Based on pasuk in Ezekiel chapter one, verse twenty-four. So, amazing concept. We have this ability to praise God, and when we praise God, it's not just us praising God; the whole creation praises God. We we give the permission to create to praise God. So our deeds have an effect on the world's above. Everything we do has an effect on the world's above. And according to our deeds, and what we do with the deeds, has an effect on the world's above. And that's, now it's interesting, let's talk about Olam Ba. It's a very interesting section, Olam Abba, in chapter 12. When a person thinks of doing a mitzvah, just the intention has a constructive and beneficial effect on the world's above. Just thinking. Because we said there's different levels of the soul. The lowest level of the soul is action, asiyah, nefesh. The ruach is the words, speech, and the neshvah is the thoughts. So just the person thinking of doing a mitzvah, can you imagine? A person says, you know, I've got to keep Shabbat. Now, what do I need for Shabbat? I need to make a list, shopping, go shopping for Shabbat. by The chalot, the wine, food, the chicken, the whatever it is for Shabbat. Those thoughts are building worlds in the worlds above. It's very very hard to imagine, right? Mm-hmm. Positive thoughts, a person says, "Yeah, you know, I want to do a mitzvah. I want to go to shul. How would I get to shul? I got a car, I got to start my car, I got to put my alarm clock. First, I got to sleep early. So, if I don't sleep early, I'm not going to get up in the morning. Number two, I got to put my alarm clock. All these preparations build worlds in the worlds above. We have to realize every little thing we do is having either positive effect or negative effect. Nothing has a neutral effect, there's no neutral effects. Either positive effects or negative effects. And when a person thinks of doing a mitzvah, look at this. A holy celestial light is reflecting on them which helps them carry out the mitzvah. The Gemara says, Abali taher lo. A person wants to do something holy, they'll help them from heaven. Hashem sends help from heaven. So, the holy, and when a person does the mitzvah, the holy light goes back to its source. What do you mean it goes back to its source? It builds worlds in the worlds above. When the person's mitzvah is complete, it actually builds worlds in the world above. And this is our world to come. Who builds the world to come? This is amazing Kiddush over here. He said, the world to come doesn't exist. Your world to come is built by you. What you do in this world as builds your world to come. If you do a lot of good in this world, you get a big world to come. If you don't do much of a good world. You, whatever you do. We build our heavens and we build our hells. By what we do. Whatever we do, that's our building. You do mitzvot, build the world. Dabirot, build the hell. It's so amazing. We do it the reward of the world to come the Gemara says is there's no reward for a mitzvah in this world where is the reward for a mitzvah? it says the reward for a mitzvah is another mitzvah what do you mean? the reward for a mitzvah is mitzvah the reward for a mitzvah is something spiritual that's what it means and that spiritual thing is the next world so when you, when you do a mitzvah when a person's soul leaves the person's body it ascends to Gan Eden where it delights in the spiritual joys of the higher worlds that grew and increased through that person's good deeds so, what do we I get? It. Our reward. Our reward? What's our reward? What well, we made in this world. It's like investment. You invest in your 401k or in your investments, in your social security, whatever it is, and you'll get the insurance payments. You get the payments through your lifetime. Over here, are you investing by doing good deeds? That's your payment the world to come. That is your world to come. So, look what he says. This is a big Don't think that at creation, the world to come came into being as a separate entity. Hashem did not create. This world and the next world, even though the, the Torah seems to say it did. How do we know? Because you know, the, 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 the first letter in the Torah is? Russia? Bet. Right. Bet implies two. Two. Hashem created two worlds. He created this world, he created the world to come. But the, uh, he says, maybe he created the world, this world, he created the potential for the world to come. But the actual world to come, for each one of us, is built by us. So don't think that a creation of the world to come came into being as a separate entity. When a person is upright here, will be granted a portion of it. So there's a world to come out there, and when I go up there, I'll get a piece. No, that's not how it works, he says. Every person creates their own haba. We prepare our own portion and add to it through his good deeds. This matches very well the saying of the rabbis. The rabbi says, whoever prepares before Shabbat will eat on Shabbat. Right? It's a parable. Shabbat is a parable to the next world. In the next world, you can't do anything, you can't prepare. You have to prepare over here to eat over there. So, a very, it's a very beautiful parable. It matches very carefully. If you prepare in this world, you'll eat in the next world. If you don't prepare in this world, you won't prepare in the next world. Nothing's there. You can't prepare over there. It's too late. So, same thing for Shabbat. Shabbat is main al Shabbat is the only tangible thing we can taste of the next world. Why is Shabbat compared to the next world? Because Shabbat is a day set aside for spirituality. We're not allowed to work. Why? Because it's a spiritual world. It's a spiritual level. So, suppose I keep Shabbat and this world, comes out but the reward is going to be in the next world. Tremendous reward in the next world. So, we build our own, Olam Haba. we build our own world to come. We build, similarly, he says, when it comes to Gayna, which comes to hell. The sinner's punishment is the sin itself. So, sinner's punishment is so sin itself. What does that mean? Our sins create our hells. Sin creates the hell. The blemish to the person's soul is instant. Imagine, it's like falling off a cliff. So the rabbis made fences around the Torah. Why fences around the Torah? Because they compared the Torah to a road, highway. And they're trying to make fences so you don't fall off the highway. Imagine, there's a cliff over there, and a person takes the wrong turn, they'll fall off the cliff. So the rabbis made a fence around the Torah. They say, you know what, you're not allowed this last week's parasha we end up with the prohibition of not eating meat and milk together. Don't cook a calf in his mother's milk. And the rabbi say there's three things. What do you mean? It's, It's repeated three times. Don't cook it. Don't eat it. And don't benefit from it. Three things. If it's cooked together, you cannot cook it. Number one, you can't cook meat and milk together. If it's cooked together, you can't eat it. And if it's cooked together, you can't benefit from it. Three things. So now the rabbi said, you know what? We're not going to get you even close to cooking it together. You have to wait six hours between meat and milk. Imagine. You're not allowed to cook it together. That's what the Torah says. You can't cook it together. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> don't bother. Because you're not even allowed to eat it one after the other. Imagine. Think about it. Can't eat milk after meat. Six hours. Look at the fence they made. Tell you how severely they viewed it. It's like if you eat it together, it's like. But it's cold. I can eat it together from the Torah ah, we're not going to even eat a cold together six hours apart why? because you'll fall off the cliff it may come to fall off the cliff so we're going to keep you away, that's a fence around the Torah they made a fence around the Torah so it's amazing how the rabbis made the fences so that we don't fall off because they said if you fall off you're going to damage your soul we don't want you to damage your soul so a person has going to think when they do something good they're reinforcing their soul they're getting a bigger soul when they do something bad our soul is getting smaller the person has going to start feeling it the spirituality inside them that we create massive spirituality or we can lose our spirituality so when a person transgresses he says the blemish of one's soul is instant and the legions of impurity are sustained and strengthened by sin in other words if we support the angels of death we support without sin it's going straight to the bad side there's a good side of good angels, a bad side when committing a sin the sinner draws to himself a spirit of iniquity of impurity And that sinner, even when they're alive, are trapped in Gainam. That feeling of impurity is the feeling of hell. So a person is surrounded by that, and uh, when a person dies, he's caught by the impure spirits and demons that we create with our wrongdoing. And so we create, we dig our own graves. We dig our own Gainam. We dig our holes with our deeds. And we create our own heavens with our own deeds. So it's very important to create our own heavens, and our own hells. So every deed, good and bad, is carries within itself the seed of its own reward and punishment. And that's what the rabbis say in Pirkei Avot, which we did. Schar mitzvah mitzvah. The reward of a mitzvah is another mitzvah. The reward of a mitzvah is something spiritual. Next world. And the reward of averah is an a which is hell. Sin leads to bad. Heaven is built. We build our heavens. We build our heaven, we build our hell. We build our and we build our hell. So it's not like God is punishing us, it's just, you know, it's, uh, we did it ourselves. If you cut yourself, you're going to bleed. Same thing, if you do, there's a penalty. It's not a penalty, it's it's like a built into nature, it's repercussion. It's an automatic repercussion. It's like uh, the laws of momentum, every action is an equal opposite reaction. So if I do a sin, I get an equal opposite reaction. Bad, more bad. Bad, cling around me, cling around me, cling around me, until the person so they can't break through. The rabbis call it husks. The kabbalists call it husks. The person is enveloped with a peel. A peel. He's got to break through that peel. It's like a clipper. It's called. So a person does a sin, and the the clipper of the sin comes around. That's what I said last week's parasha. With Moshe lavo. Moshe was late to come down the mountain. He says the word boshesh is the clipper of lies there's a clip of lies and it says also by uh, by Adam and Chava the Lord Boshashu mm. same clip it says the word boshesh. so in other words when a person does not a Abirah brings this kind of a clip of the shell around it, it's very hard to break through so it comes to a breakthrough obviously they can break through with teshuva. otherwise it's very hard to break through but same thing a person does a good deed it protects them a person does a good deed creates a good angel Mishnah what well, we're going to talk about it next week and a person who a bad knee creates a bad angel. And the good angel is giving them defense in the world to come and the bad angel will give them a prosecution. But it's not just a bad angel. They're not just to create a bad angel. They create the bad angels who's, who's prosecuting them and is also going to punish them. He's the vehicle of the punishment. And the good angel is the vehicle of the good, of the, the Ghaned. So we create our own worlds, the good and the bad. Every word we speak was well, a hard one. This is a very hard one. Very dangerous. Speech is very dangerous. Speech is very dangerous. So, uh, Amos, the Prophet Amos says in chapter 4, He forms mountains and create winds. Hashem makes the mountain, He makes the wind. He tells a person what were their words, they spoke. Hashem will tell us what we spoke. The Prophet is warning us, since we live in the lowly physical worlds, you cannot fathom how each single word you utter has either constructive or destructive effect on the worlds above. Right? What difference can I talk? my talk make in the worlds above? Every trivial word is stored and not lost. Everything we say is stored, has an effect on the world above. The Zohar says even the breath of one's speech is preserved. Not just the words, but a breath of the speech. The Hevel. This, uh, when you talk, you feel some air coming out. That air is stored up. And the Zohar says, every word a person utters rises upwards, splitting heavens to reach his destined place. Every utterance makes an impact on high and activates heaven. So it's very important to say good things, not to speak Lashon HaRa, which is talking bad about people. It's very, very important not to speak bad about people. And especially bad, which is lies. There's different levels of Lashon The lowest level of Lashon is to say something which can be interpreted both ways. He's a very nice person. Yeah, he's saying in a way he's sarcastic. So that's the lowest level of Hashanah. Then a person says, nasty person. It's true. Nasty person. Hashanah. A person says, he's a nasty person, but it's a lie. It's motzi Shemra. He just gave a person a bad reputation. Doesn't deserve it. So there's different levels of Hashanah. Each one is worse than the other. So every speech we make has an impact on the world's above. Zohar says, when you're talking Torah, Your words soar and high, giving rise to joy in heaven and earth. We can't see, I wish we could see this. You say one word of Torah, Hashem is happy, or the angels are happy, they're rejoicing, they're they're dancing with joy. It's amazing. Conversely, harmful talk creates worlds of falsehood to bring about destruction in the higher worlds. So we don't realize our own power, the power of our thoughts, tremendous power because they reach the highest levels. The power of our words, not so high, but still very powerful. And the power of our deeds is the lowest. Plus there's a deed. We see the effects of the deeds in this world. We don't see the effects of our thoughts in the world. That's our trouble. You see. So whatever we can't see is the most intangible, most esoteric and highest. The more we can't see in this world, is lower. The less we can see is the highest. Amazing. Same thing applies to God's name. Look at God's name. Yud-ke-vav-ke, right? Which level is the highest? Which letter is the highest level? Yeah. The Yud. And what's even higher than the Yud? The little Spitz on top. Of the, the less you can see the higher it is if you can't see God, highest <laughs> the things you can't see are greater than the things you can see so whatever you can see is physical whatever you can't see is spiritual so we can see them that's why it says the Torah has given them black fire and white fire so we can only see the black part but the main part of it is the white part you can't see it's the secrets of the Torah the white part so we read the physical, we can't read the intangibles. The intangibles are greater than the tangibles. So we, we, we think this world, this universe is big. It is big. It's very, very big. It's 10 to the 23 stars in the sun. So that's a lot, it's a very big universe, but we don't realize this universe is just a little piece of the entire picture of Hashem. Hashem is infinite. So it's very hard to, to imagine it even, very hard to comprehend so it says, look, this is my house. You then realize, in the worlds above, they have another house. And that house is depends how you build that house. You build a spiritual house. So we have a spiritual house, we have a physical house. Our deeds build spiritual heavens, worlds above. So it's very important. Always say positive things. Always say good things. Always say. It's very important. The Zora says, large numbers of destructive angels attach themselves to the voice that speaks evil. Woe to the person who speaks evil. Whoa. So hard, so hard. So we have to be very careful and uh, not say bad things. Always say good things about people. Try. The only time you're allowed to say bad things is if you're warning people. Someone asks you, How's this person? I want to do business, I want to get married. What, how do you. Whatever. So then you have to give. You have to say truthfully what the dangers are, what the truth is. What. So Hashem counts these words. And these words have an impact in the worlds above. But intention is the highest. Intentions have an effect on the highest worlds. Until you leave, chapter 33. Who comprehends all their deeds. What do you mean he comprehends all the deeds? He comprehends towards all their deeds. He comprehends the thoughts behind the deeds. The thoughts behind the deeds are very important. So a person's actions have an impact the person's thoughts have a higher impact than the actions so and it also depends on how high a person's soul is because the higher the roots of the soul the bigger the impact they have in the world's above so the Arizal gives an analogy you cannot compare someone who soils the king's courtyard to someone's inside the palace dirtying the palace can you imagine Have you ever been to a palace anyone been here to a palace I've been to a palace I've been to you Buckingham House. Palace in London over there, you see the queen. She lives in this massive building massive, massive, massive. I don't know how many hundreds of rooms. Imagine a palace with hundreds of rooms. Just think how, many, how much the mezuzah is going to cost you. <laughs> 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 hundreds of mezuzahs. Come Hard to think. And it's full of gold and silver and treasure. She has treasures. It's massive. It's like a museum. It's amazing. She has art collection and all kinds of collections. And, uh, and outside the palace, she has a park like a park so now what's worse to dirty the park or to go inside the palace and dirty the palace that's dirty the question the so the result says you can't compare a person who sullies the king's yard to one who soils the king's palace and you can't compare someone who sullies the king's palace inside to someone who goes into the throne room and sullies the throne or if you sully the king's clothes imagine a person throws an egg at the king oh boy so it's there's different levels the closer you get the worse it is so the higher the person's soul the worse it is because his soul is in the highest worlds closer to Hashem same thing it's like the person doesn't sin in Israel the person does a sin outside Israel Israel is compared to the palace of the king outside Israel is compared not the palace of the king it's compared to the yard of the king so the person who goes to Israel has got to be even more careful how they behave very hard very hard you know the famous it says one of the Hasidim he says he thought if he goes to Israel there's less Yetzirah over there so he thought, you know, in Israel is a holy place, there's less, there's less uh, evil inclination. He goes to Israel and the Rebbe sends a message, he says, no, is it better over there? He says, this is the home of the Yitzhara. This is the roots of the Yitzhara, because the more holiness there is, the more unholiness there is. It's a battle in Israel, you see, it's a complete battle all the time. It's holiness, unholiness, holiness, unholiness. So a person has, so two people doing the same sin depends on the soul's. One person may have a very basic soul. And the damage done to the worlds above is much less. A person has a very high soul, damage done to the world is very high. So how does a person know what kind of soul they have? It's very hard to know. How do you know? And the answer is, you know your purity when you're born. Some people are born with very high purity, which means their thoughts are pure. They're born with pure thoughts. They're born with, see children, some kids, you see the purity on their faces. They're born with pure, pure purity, and therefore their souls are pure so a person like that who becomes see it today unfortunately see people go off the derech these kids go off the derech and they're ruining their purity before they were pure they never did all these things now they're doing all sorts of things they're sullying their souls and therefore their high souls in the beginning they're causing more troubles whereas a person who's born like that his soul is obviously at a low level and he has to climb he has to climb the ladder so two people doing the same thing one can get punished very seriously one could be punished very seriously But the thoughts are very powerful because the thoughts are the high level of the soul. And the high level of the soul affects the worlds above. So it's very important to have pure thoughts and pure speech and obviously pure action as well. So one can ask, this is chapter 15, how can a neshama be the highest level of the soul when the word neshama comes to the word neshima? Neshima means to breathe. So breathing is a physical thing. I'm breathing in air. I'm breathing in oxygen. So breathing oxygen, okay, you can't see the oxygen. Can anyone see the oxygen? You can't see the oxygen. So when you eat, you can see what you're eating. When you drink, you can see what you're drinking. When you breathe, you can't see what you're breathing. So in a sense, it's, a, it's much more spiritual than, than anything physical. But breathing is a bodily function. It's a physical thing. He says, look over here. He says, a neshama does not mean a breath, a physical breath. It denotes the breath of Hashem. He blew into his nostrils the spirit of life. Nishmat Hayim is not Nish Nishima. It's not related to breath. It's a parable of breath. It's not related to breath. Because Hashem put the neshama into our heads. And it's used, the language used is he breathed it into us. But it's uh, the analogy is the glass blower. Here we have the famous analogy of the glass blower. Have you ever seen a person blowing into a glass, making, creating glass? Mm -hmm. So he has a long tube, and the glass is like a silicon, silica, and it's boiling hot because you have to melt the glass to shape it. Boiling hot. It's a big uh, bubble of uh, glass. He puts it into the tube, and he starts blowing into the glass, and he starts forming. It's amazing how they do it. It's amazing how they do it. And uh, you get something blown Now what's blowing it is from himself, inside himself. His breath is blowing into the glass tube. That's the analogy Hashem is giving us. Hashem's soul is blowing into us. From the insides of Hashem it's coming. Not that Hashem is outside or inside, but it's coming from the internal. It's coming from the spiritual side of it. The breath of God, is he blew into his nostrils the spirit of life. Nishmat Chayim. The Gemara Tzalei 91a. This is a very important Gemara. Hashem blowing the soul is similar to a man a glass blower blowing into glassware. A glass blower does his work in three stages. First he holds his breath. Takes a very deep breath holds his breath. Second he blows into the tube because he had to use a lot of pressure to blow. It's like blowing a balloon. So first you take a deep breath then you blow the balloon. It's hard to blow a balloon. Imagine what it's like to blow glass. If you think a balloon is hard to blow think about how glass you gotta blow like a balloon you gotta pop you gotta make it big number three his breath goes from the tube into the lump of heated glass at the end of the tube so it starts expanding of the shape the glass blower wants then he stops blowing the three phases of glass blowing match the three levels of the soul amazing the nefesh the lowest level is lodged completely inside the man's body the ruach is poured into him from above and the highest point of the Ruach is connected to the lowest part of the Neshama. Until the Spirit from on high will be poured upon us. But the essence of the Neshama itself is completely hidden. Its source is the breath of Hashem Himself, and no part of it enters a person's body. Only Adam, before his sin, merited to have the essence of the Neshama dwell inside his body. In the wake of the sin, the Neshama left him, remained hovering above him. Moshe was the only one to merit having the essence of the Neshama of with his body therefore he was called ish lokim a man of God because he had the soul of God inside it. no one else was worthy of this all we can hope for is to attain the neshama sparks will glow over our head these neshama sparks give us the extraordinary perception needed to understand the mystical concepts hidden in our holy Torah so what is he saying? he's saying basically there's three parts of the soul the nefesh and neshama so when Hashem blows into the soul he takes a deep breath this is just a, a parable. Don't take it literally. And he blows into the glass. And the part that stays inside is the nefesh. The first part that enters the nefesh. The next part is the ruach. And the neshama stays within Hashem. So the connection is the neshama, which stays outside the body. Amazing. So it's right on top of us. The neshama is on top of us. The person who's worthy has a neshama on top of us, like crowns on the head. Like crowns on the head. And Moshe Rabbeinu was the only one who had it inside. And Adam Rishon before the sin. So the spirit, the Ruach element of the soul is loaded into man, but the Neshama dwells in the heights of nearness to God. It is the sparks of the Neshama that are close to us. So when the Zohar the Kabbalah, speak in terms of the Neshama reciting in a man's brain, the reciting to the sparks of the Neshama transmit wisdom and understanding to man's brain and intellect. So the real essence of the Neshama is in the worlds above. But the spark piece of it, we've got pieces in our brain that give us the ability to understand the Torah. Okay. So he gives us a parable. A king had a son. Coming home from the yeshiva, the son noticed on the table there was a dish prepared for his father. This is a very strange mashal. Just, just hang, on, hang on to this mashal. So you can you imagine? You come home, and there's a food over there. Say, Daddy, can I eat some food? Uh, daddy says, son, have some food. And the son says, Daddy, I don't want. I want food from your mouth. <laughs> so the father gave him a piece of food from his mouth. So this is the Midrash on Mishleh. Midrash says, the man doesn't want just the sparks that God blew into him. We want the sparks that are still in God's mouth. Kiv We want the highest level. We don't want the lowest level. What we have now is the lower levels. We want the high levels. The glass blower didn't blow out yet. That's in Hashem's mouth. So Midrash says, the son was coming home from Yeshiva, indicating the only way to get the sparks is by learning Torah. Why does the Midrash say he's coming home from Yeshiva? He's coming home from learning Torah then he can ask for something higher. If you're not coming to learn Torah, you can't ask something higher. And he's learning Torah, and learning Torah for Torah's sake. And then he has the sparks of Torah. And then he can ask God for more. I want more Torah. I want more Neshama, because I want to learn more Torah. Imagine. A person can only learn Torah up to the level of his Neshama. If he, if he reaches more than his level of Neshama, he won't understand what he's learning. You can only learn as much as your level. Because person can't learn more than that level. And that's why it says some people go to sleep when the rabbi's talking. <laughs> why do they go to sleep? Because they can't learn more than the level. It's already above them. You know, you know, the Arizal would give a class, and the Beit Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Karim, would come to his class. And the Beit Yosef would sleep in his class. Hard to imagine. Great Beit Yosef. So the Arizal told him, he said, this is not for you. This is above your level. This is, you're, not, you're not built for this. Your soul is not built for this. So, what happens is you have to ask God for some higher level. He does get a higher scale for higher level. It says when uh, Harav Chaim Vital, who was the main student of Arizal, came to the Arizal, and he thought he knew more than the Arizal. He was older, 20 years older than the Arizal. Can you imagine? He knew, he learned Zohar all his life. He had uh, great teachers, Moshe Cordovero, very big teachers. He comes to the Arizal, and he asks him a question, Zohar. He had a question on the Zohar. Yeah, I know more than the Arizal. I just try to test him, see what's so great about him. And the result starts expounding on the Zohar, expounding, expounding. Believe what he's hearing. He's never heard secrets and secrets and secrets. And then that result says, "I can't tell you anymore. You're not ready for it." Imagine what I put down. He thinks he's great, in that result. That result is asking him questions, and he doesn't know what's going on. No idea what's going on. Then he asks the question. That result says, it's "Not for you." So what happens? What does he do? He goes and cries. He goes home and he cries and prays, Hashem, give me more soul so I can understand the Torah. And that's what we have to do. A person can't understand, you have to go and cry. That's going go and pray for more. Every day we pray, Ha'er, please Hashem, open my eyes in your Torah. People don't realize, what do you mean, open my eyes? Ha'er, and then it doesn't say open my eyes, it says give me light in my eyes. Ha'er, and light up my eyes in your Torah. So, Chavit says, he says people say the prayer and they, and they say it seriously today we sing it. The, sorry, on Shabbat we sing it. And what happens is the person leaves and he doesn't learn Torah. He's asking God to light up his eyes of Torah but he doesn't learn Torah. So you ask for something we you don't want it. So the person's going to ask for it and then go and study it. So it's important. So a person can get more if you pray for more. There's much more out there. So a person's soul can expand. So just like a person eats, they, they expand their body, a person learns Torah, they expand their soul. So very important to learn Torah, because the Torah is the food. It's not the food for the soul, because Tefillah is the food for the soul. We don't really realize that. And that's why there are three, three prayers a day, just like three meals a day. Mm-hmm. Just like you need to nourish your body, you need to nourish your soul. But we don't really realize that, we don't really appreciate it. So a person whizzed through, through like imagine you have a five-course meal. Ah... Right, about five course five meals. Course uh, and you have a first course, and then second course, and third course. Tefillah is like a five course meal. It should be. What happens is a person says, you know what, I only want one course. Okay, want one course. You get nourishment for one part of your soul. You have parts of your soul. So the bigger, you see the bigger the people are in the third souls, the more longer they pray. They have to pray longer. So, so, to nourish their soul, they need to pray longer. It's amazing. Tfila is nourishment for the soul. Torah is nourishment for the neshama, the highest part of the soul. Okay. So that's what it means. The son wanted the part of the food which is in the father's mouth, which is, going back to the, to the, the glass blower, the part of the neshama that never came out. I want that part, Hashem. I want the part which is the highest part. I want that to come into me. And the famous Midrash, Midrash says when the children of Israel assembled at the foot of Mount Sinai they wanted to hear the commandments from Hashem's mouth himself. Standing at Sinai all Israel merited to have hovering over them and shining on them the sparks of the Shema emanating from Hashem's mouth. And that's what the Gemara says in Shabbat. The ministering angels placed two spiritual crowns of divine radiance on the head of every single Jew. So these are the crowns of the Neshama, which they could understand the spiritual spots of the Torah, the mystical spots of the Torah. So that they got to the well they're called uh, Edim, Edim, which are put on top of them. Edio, Torah refers to it, each man had a crown, each person had a crown, two crowns. And when they in the golden calf, it was taken away from them. These are the crowns, of the sparks of the Neshama, which they got from Har Sinai. Okay. So now we have to realize the parts of our souls are linked to each other. So the highest part of the nefesh is linked to the lowest part of the ruach. The highest part of the ruach is linked to the lowest part of the shema. It's a, like a, a continuum. It's like a continuum. And this forms the basis of teshuva, how we can cleanse our soul from impurity. So a person should strive to make the service of Hashem perfect and pure. It's so hard to make it pure. A person why? A person says, you know, I've... Alterior motives. I want to go in this, I want to enjoy the food, I like Shabbat, I like the food, I like the company. So what about the essence of Shabbat? What is the essence of Shabbat? What is it? It's the spiritual essence. So a person thinks about other things, they're missing the spiritual essence. Okay, it's a high level, keeping Shabbat anyway. But there's a spiritual essence to Shabbat as well. person going to make sure, they make sure they have the spiritual essence of Shabbat. So that's the purity of the mitzvah. So we have to do, in fact, right, a person making a bracha there's many different ways of making a bracha a person can make a bracha because to get rid of the obligation a person can make a bracha because they really appreciate what God did for them a person can make a bracha and make it into a song a praise of Hashem there's has different levels of bracha so a person going to try all the time to examine number one, how did I do the mitzvah did I do the mitzvah in a good way, it's very hard <coughs> a person does a mitzvah there's many different ways of doing the mitzvah do you do it with happiness, with joy do you do it because, ah, eh, I gotta get it I need to do it the person want to do it not want to do it is he being forced to do it the person going to check their words what words did I, see? Did I use good words did I used nasty words I was I like, kind to this person not kind to the person the going to think of their thoughts what thoughts did I think so a person know, has to know Hashem wants to give us just like a mother wants to give their daughter and the father wants to give their children everyone wants to give we all want to give we want to give when the person is doing well want to give a person who deserves it. We don't give a person who doesn't deserve it. We want to give. Hashem also wants to give us. And a pa- Hashem wants us to do good, so he give us more. Right? So a person does, does Torah, like we're doing now. A person does mitzvot. A person doing Teshuvah, Hashem wants to give them more. And a person's got to know, <coughs> however bad a person is, we can change. A person's got to know, there's always a chance to change. And the worst thing is for a person to think there's no chance for them the worst thing in the world. There was a rabbi called Elisha ben Abuya. Elisha ben Abuya was one of the four winners of the Pardes. He was one of the rabbis of Rameer Balanes, Commander Rameer Balanes, who was the great student of Rabbi Akiva. One of his rabbis was Elisha ben Abuya. And Elisha ben Abuya, it says, became someone who didn't believe in God anymore. That's the point where he didn't believe in God anymore, didn't believe in the mitzvot anymore. And his student may be saying, do Teshuvah, do Teshuvah, do he says, There's no way I can do Teshuvah. Why? I heard a voice from heaven saying, everyone can do Teshuvah except for Elisha. Except for Akhir. Except for, he doesn't say Elisha, except for Akhir. So he was so persuaded he couldn't do Teshuvah, he didn't bother trying. But he's got to know. Everyone's got to know. There's no one. So what does he mean? Everyone can do Teshuvah except for Akhir. What does that mean? He didn't say his name. He told him Akhir. So when he's Akhir, he can't do Teshuvah. When, when he, But Akhir can be someone else. When he's someone else, when he's when he's on a low level, he can't do Teshuvah. When he's on a high level, he can do Teshuvah. So Akhir should have taken that as a sign and say, listen, Akhir can't do Teshuvah, but Elisha can do Teshuvah. If I'm Elisha, I can do Teshuvah. my i can't do Teshuvah. So that's what it means. Everyone can do Teshuvah. There's no such thing as a person who can't do Teshuvah, even though the Raman says there is a stage of no return. A person does tremendously bad things and kills people or whatever, does, um, messes up everyone, messes up the world like your Makhshar, or Hitler, or whatever, it's a state of no return. But otherwise, most people can do Teshuvah. Most people can do Teshuvah. So the spiritual worlds are linked to each other like a chain. Think of a long chain. Mm-hmm. And just like we're linked to our parents and our grandparents like a chain. Think about a chain of tradition. So you, each one of us is a link in the chain. So you have Jews going back thousands of years. Each one of us is a link in that chain. So how strong is our link? That's the question. If our link is a strong link, that means we are true to the traditions of our forefathers. And if our string is a very strong link, we can even make another link. We can have another link to our chain, that's our children. So we can keep on making this link of the chain, a bigger and bigger chain. Now think of all the spiritual worlds also linked to each other in a chain-like procession. The higher aspect of the lowest world is connected to the lower aspect of the world above. So that's our soul also. A person's soul is also. The lowest part of the soul is down below. The higher part of the soul is down above and is linked to the one above. So the lowest part of the one above is linked to the highest part of the one below. And so on and so forth. So the highest aspect of Nefesh is linked to the lowest aspect of Ruach. The highest aspect of Ruach connects with the lowest aspect of Neshama, and Neshama is joined with spiritual Lut, which is near Hashem. It's like a long chain, go all the way up to shemaim. And where do we get this from? It's one of the uh, things we say when a person dies, in the Hashkava. Tien nishmatos surah May the soul be bound up in the bond of life. What is this bond of life? Who said that, by the way? A very special woman. What was her name? Abigail it's a very strange thing to say here's David el-Melech, he's the king and Abigail blesses him, and this is what she said to him may the Lord's soul Ruach Adoni Nefesh Adoni, be bound up in the bond of life it's a very strange thing to say that his Nefesh should also be connected to Asher i got to see this pastor. can you bring Shmuel Shmuel Bet, uh, Shmuel Shmuel Bet, Shmuel, Bet. Shmuel, Bet, Shmuel, Bet. Shmuel Bet. Here we are, 25, 29. I won't get it right. So there's a long story over here, David ab-Melech. He's running away from King Saul, and he's looking after, he's doing odd jobs. What are the odd jobs? Odd jobs are he's looking after people's sheep, even if they don't know about it. What does that mean? That means the shepherds go away, and then there's bandits and brigands. He's looking after them, they don't get robbed. They're going to have stolen and he looked after the sheep of Naval. He means 400 men. And Naval, he comes to Naval, give me payment. I looked after your sheep. And Naval says, heck with you, I didn't ask you for anything. You're a robber, you're a bandit. Go away, get away from here. So he makes up his mind, he's going to take vengeance on Naval. So what comes. His wife, Abigail, was a Selekid. And she knew her husband was very mean. And she wants to save his life. So she comes with 200 loaves of bread, two other weird jugs of wine, five sheep, five say of which means tremendous presents to David. And she doesn't tell Naval. She does all this without Naval's permission. And uh, David was coming to take vengeance on Naval. And she goes up to meet David. And Avigad saw David. Please, Please don't take notice of my husband's bad deeds. He's very ungrateful, and I swear, Hashem has stopped you from bloodshed, because I'm going to give you a present, and he'll stop you from doing uh, damage to anyone else. And this is the gift I gave a gift, all the bread and all these all the kinds of food. And then she says, uh, "Okay." If a person gets up to, to chase after you to, to take your soul and let's kill you May the nefesh of my master be bound up in the bond of life. And the soul of your enemy will be, be put into the catapult. So she says over here two very important things. One of them is this idea, this concept that our souls, the nefesh, the lowest part of the soul should be bound up in the bond of life together with Hashem. Here one second. The nefesh is the lowest level. How can he be bound up with Hashem? And the answer is because the nefesh is bound with the ruach. The ruach is bound with the neshama. The neshama is bound with Hashem. So by, by the vehicle, right, all the whole chain is together, bound together. If it's bound together, that's the bond of life. Together with Hashem. The bond of life is the long chain of all the different parts of the soul bound together. And the highest level is with Hashem. That's what it means. It's bound bound up with the bond of life, because the bond of life is Hashem. And uh, and the opposite is true. The opposite she talks about is kafakela, which is a very big Kabbalistic secret, which is right here, which is the, the punishment of a person who cannot even go into hell. A person punished to the point where they can't even go into Gehenna. We say we say the rishayim are in Gehenna for twelve months. That's not bad. Twelve months not bad. What about a person who can't even get in to gain up? His where's his soul? And his soul is just wandering around, bouncing around from place to place. Terrible, terrible. So that's what it means. Bound up bond of life. How can the Nefesh be bound with Hashem? And the answer is through the chain of Nefesh the Shema. Every part going up. And that's what she had in mind when she said, that's what he says. That Hashem, David and soul should be bound up with Hashem through the bound of life, through this chain of life, through the three different parts of the soul going up all the way to God. And that's what the, the Pasuk says, Yaakov, hevel nachalato. Yaakov is the cord of Hashem's inheritance. When the cord, the, the string, it's like a Hevel, it's like a rope. Like a rope, we're attached to God through the different parts of our soul going all the way up like a rope. Right here, yeah. right here. Yeah. Our souls are bound. That's what she's telling. He's living. He's not dead, he's living. But the Hiddush is, it shouldn't be only when we're living, it should also be when we're dead. That our soul should be bound up with the bond of life, which is what I'm about. Okay, we'll stop here and we'll continue with Bez next week. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com.